you can uh, open your Bibles to James, <coughs> chapter 2. Just as we were taking communion, I'm reminded um, how Jesus came to save us, but he, he came to bring unity as well. And uh, the perfect picture of, uh, of that is, is Jesus. And Jesus, the way that he loved everyone. Um, and uh, yeah, just communion, Jesus willing to die for us. He was willing to die for unity. Um, it's been actually a real special service uh, in the 8 and the 10. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited to bring the word to you. Um, so let me pray and uh, let's get going. God, we just thank you. Uh, that you are a God who loves us uh, despite our weaknesses and despite the maybe bad perceptions we have or the anger that we have um, often. And sometimes it's right, the anger, and sometimes it's wrong. But Lord, we thank you that you, you love us all the same. And Lord, you want to speak to us this morning? Lord, I know this is quite a, <coughs> a challenging topic. Um, and uh, Lord, I know that for some uh, it's going to be hard. But, Lord, I know that you want to speak to us. Lord, I know that uh, in the tough things is often when you challenge us the most and often when the biggest things happen in our life. And so, Lord, we want to pray that you will um, just move in power in this place, that your spirit uh, touch our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'm sure you all that, James, already, but if you haven't, you can start turning there now. Um, just going to tell you briefly about my life. Uh, I made the mistake of saying I was born in the church uh, <laughs> at the eight. Uh, I won't say that this time. I was born at the Freer, um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I have been going to this church since I couldn't uh, eat on my own. Um, and uh, yeah, the church back then. I'm, if you've been around for a while, Matt's uh, shared before, but it was only this big. You'll know. You, I don't know if you guys know, but the one side here is wooden. And the other side here is cement. So where the wooden side is is where the old church was. Uh, sort of from this pillar uh, that way, uh, that side. So that's how sort of I could say how small the church was. The stage was over there. I can still remember doing weird like Sunday school uh, things like uh, I won't even try sing those songs. Um, and the and the entrance was at the back here. I grew up in the church, gave my life uh, to Jesus when I was six, um, but only fully realized that when when Jesus. Uh, gave his Holy Spirit to me in power when I was in grade eight. Went on uh, an Alpha course. Some of you might be doing the Alpha course in the next while. There's uh, a couple happening in and around the church after Easter. Uh, but I went on the Alpha course, and there's this thing called the Holy Spirit Week in a way, where the whole weekend you learned about the Holy Spirit, and we have some really good worship. The one night we were worshiping, and uh, all I remember is just falling on my knees. I remember the song we were singing. It went, you are good, you are good, and your love endures. Um, and I fell on my knees, and I just realized for the first time properly how amazing, how incredible God was. And I'll never forget, I was like, or maybe I did forget, because it was six hours, it was like 15 minutes uh, in that moment, just lying, kneeling there on the floor, snot coming out the nose, tears everywhere, um, but not sad at all, like overwhelmed by, by who God was. And um, I even remember the scripture, and that was 17 years ago now, uh, the scripture God gave me was Psalm 51 verse 10 in that moment, which said, Create a pure heart in me, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Uh, and that's been something that, that God has done throughout my life. But from that moment, God changed my life. And in the span of four, five, quarter, five years, uh, I went from not really serving much to 
serving at Edge on Friday nights, serving in the Sunday school. Uh, I taught kids. Some of those kids are finished varsity and, and are working now that I taught in Sunday school. Crazy. Um, I joined the worship teams. I did children's worship, youth worship. I started church worship when I was in matric. Uh, it's 13 years ago now, 14 years ago, 15 years. I don't know. Can't count anymore. I'm sure a lot of you know what that's like. <laughs> uh, I'm just starting to get there. Um, but um, yeah, just God changed my life, and service just started naturally happening in my life. It, it was just something that was like the overflow of what God did on that day. Boom, like my life was changed, and I, and I started serving him. And so we're going to actually be talking about uh, serving today. So as we start out, let's read this uh, James uh, passage. James chapter 2, verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, uh, without actually giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, hey, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. James being sarcastic here. You believe that God is one. Well done, good job. Uh, even the demons believe that and shudder. You believe in God, even the demons do, and they shudder. They are in awe of who God is. Do you want to be shown, <laughs> this is harsh, you don't want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now we need to really start out on this one carefully because the scripture is not saying that salvation comes through works. The scripture is not saying that uh, our, wor our works, uh, if we work good, then we become good Christians. Okay? The salvation work of Christ is a final work, and it is one that is a free gift given to us so that no one can boast. In Ephesians uh, chapter 2, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. But that's very scripture that we say there. It has a tag on, and it goes on to say this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So what is the natural flowing of our salvation? Good works. We should be serving. We should be working. God has called us to do that. It's an expectation on us. We'll never fully experience uh, the depth of what our salvation means unless we're involved in active service with Jesus. We'll never fully uh, experience the richness of our salvation unless we're serving. Yeah, we're saved, and yeah, we get to enjoy the fruit of being saved, but the, the long-lasting and everlasting fruit of seeing lives changed because of God working through us, we will never see, and that's quite sad. Um, so let's put it this way. Um, 
about two weeks ago, I went to the spa, a Sparg spa, and I bought two mangoes. They were like huge. And I was like, I can't not buy them. They were seven rand and they were massive. Um, and my son and I both love mangoes. Uh, Kerry, my wife, doesn't. Uh, so more for me, um, as I always say. Um, anyway, chopped up these mangoes, and it's always nice when you put the mango in the fridge and it's nice and cold mango. Oh, so good. Uh, so I chopped it all up, and then I thought, hey, like we don't have a mango tree. Let's make a mango tree. Um, so had the chopped it all up and made sure that the like I had the pip, and I know that pips make mango trees, seeds make trees. So I put the pip on the counter, and I, and I was like, okay, I have great faith that this is going to become the most amazing mango tree in my street. <laughs> yeah. Sort of like the whole principle of like you know, memorize scripture, you're going to sleep on the Bible at night, you know, go in. No, come on, come on, mango pip, you'll grow, grow, mango pip. The truth is that that mango pip's not going to grow unless I actually start putting some work into it. Yeah. So the mango pip, let's call it salvation, like it's there, like it's, it's, you can't take it away, but like you've got to start putting work now. And the work is what makes you grow into this amazing creature. <laughs> um, so, what do you have to do? You've got to do some Google research, and you've got to go see, okay, what is the, the right amount of shade, right amount of sun? So what is the right placement? Which corner of my yard should I put it? Then you've got to actively go and dig a hole, and you've got to put that seed, whatever, into the hole, bury it, and then you've got to water it, especially if you're in the Cape Town area. You're going to make sure it's well watered. Um, and then you've got to trust God that the sun is going to come and make this thing into a tree. That, that wouldn't grow into a tree unless there was some effort and, and some act involved. And so it's, it's like that with our faith. So if we have faith in Jesus, there's got to be a follow-on action. Not saying that our salvation, and this is last time I'm going to say this, not saying that our salvation is determined by our works, but the outworking of our salvation is the proof of our salvation in the first place. <clears throat> uh, John Piper says this, some, same, the same faith that saves us is the same faith that prompts us to work. So the same faith that saves us is the same faith that prompts us to work. Uh, as we start out, I just want to say a huge thank you to all those who are actively serving. Um, we appreciate you as a church. Um, I think there's so much that we wouldn't be able to do if it wasn't for you. Uh, we're blessed by you and thank you. Um, yeah, the kingdom grows uh, because of people who are willing to, to serve uh, because God has asked them to and because the salvation work makes that happen. So thank you so much. And um, just uh, as you look on the screen, you'll see there'll be quite a few scriptures. Um, I'm, I'm intentionally put them there, but I'm intentionally not reading them. Otherwise, we'll probably be here all day. But they're, they're all really fantastic scriptures, and I want to encourage you to write them down and then go and read them in your own personal time with God. Uh, because I actually just couldn't take myself to like delete them. <laughs> so write them down. Um, they're really good. So... As you can see there, why serve? Why should we serve? You know, what's the, what's, what's the, why is it important to serve? Uh, there's three things we look at. Firstly, that God sees. Secondly, that others see. And thirdly, that we grow uh, when we serve. So firstly, under God sees, He expects us to be serving. It's actually a command from Him. Uh, for those who don't know who I am, uh, my name is Dane. I'm one of the ministers here. And I am, I feel like uh, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, but I, I am an introvert. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, uh, <laughs> I'm a heavy introvert. Um, you know, there's those people who love to give you those personality tests. I have a lot of friends like that. Um, and every time I come out really high on the introvert scale, and then like people go to me, what? You're not an introvert. 
so not true. My, my idea of a good time is locking myself in my room and being alone for a month. Um, so being, in, being around a group of people, I get really tired really quickly. Um, that's not saying that I don't like you guys, because uh, I do, but I just, I just feel rested when I'm alone, <laughs> which means I've got to actually be intentional. And so if I don't understand that there's a command in my life from God to actually be involved in service, then maybe I would just retreat and stay on my own in my room and, uh, you know, play computer or something, uh, watch movies, series. You know that the new Prison Break came out? Anyway, side note. <laughs> Um, sorry, Prison Break was like my, back in the day, I was like, oh, this is crazy. Um, so a new, new season came out. Anyway, wasn't planning to say that. Um, my introvert showed there. Um, but yeah, even me as an introvert, that's not an excuse for me to go, well, I, I don't serve because I'm not wired that way. Um, it doesn't matter how you're wired, there's a command on our lives by God to serve. 1 Samuel 12 and Joshua 22 says, fear him, keep his commands, Serve him with all your heart and soul. Serve him with all your heart and soul. That's big. That's not just like serve him a little bit, a little bit of heart, a little bit of love. And this is an immediate expectation, just like um, we don't uh, fix our souls before we come to salvation. You know, we don't have a shower, then a bath, as we often say it. Um, we can just come to Jesus. And so when we have our salvation, we, we just serve. It's, it's an immediate reaction. It's not something that we have to like, okay, I'm going to prepare myself. You know, I've got to do some reading on serving. Uh, okay, I feel a little bit better. Now I need to go job shadow a server, um, and then I'm ready to serve. No, like get stuck in and get serving. It's, it's a command. Um, C.S. Lewis, I've got two quotes from him today. There, he's crazy. Um, this is what he says. C.S. Lewis wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and many other things, uh, but that's the most famous probably. Uh, if we have the opportunity to act, we have the responsibility to act. If we have the opportunity to act, we have the responsibility to act. And if you want some biblical backup for that, Proverbs 3 verse 27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Don't hold back your good if you can do it. If you have the ability, do it. That's basically what Proverbs 3 is saying there. If you have the ability to do it, do it. And I think we all can say that we do have some form of ability uh, to serve. The next point is that it's actually a form of worship, and it brings God glory as well. Um, Romans 12 verse 1, we all know the scripture really well. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, as this is your spiritual act of worship. What's your spiritual act of worship? Offering your bodies as living sacrifices. Not having great faith. <laughs> Offering your bodies as living sacrifices. Giving of myself. And the incredible thing, and we, you've probably heard this as well before, uh, the incredible thing about living sacrifices is they're always trying to get off the altar. Like you don't sit there on, on the altar and you go, okay, yeah, over here. It'd be nice. Just the quick one, you know. Um, you, you know, well, this is my good side, actually. Um, no. Like you're like, oh, get no, ah, you know, try and get off. And we've actually got to discipline ourselves to actually stay on that altar uh, so that, you know, the work of God can be done. We also know that um, there's judgment and reward uh, when it comes to God. Um, I, uh, in the first service, uh, I used the, uh, oh, I'm going to use the illustration now, but I, I used Donald Trump, and I realized it probably wasn't a good idea. Um, so I'm going to use uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger this time. Um, so picture we have uh, 
a South African apprentice this time, and uh, there's an Arnold Schwarzenegger equivalent uh, being the, the main man, and he decides he's going to do a new experiment. He's going to take the three teams, and he's going to give them three different amounts of money. He's going to see how much money they can make. So team one, he gives 20 million rand. Team two, he gives 8 million rand, and team three, he gives 4 million rand. Okay, and he wants to see now, what can you do in a month with this money that I've given you? So they go out, team one doubles the money, comes back. Team two doubles the money, comes back. Team three goes like, ooh, this is scary. I don't want Arnold to you know, beat me with all his muscles. So I'm going to put my uh, money under my bed, and we're going to make sure that we can come back with the four. Maybe the other guys will all lose their money, uh, but we're going to come back, and we're going to make sure we give the four. So they come back, and Arnold's like, yeah, good job with the first, good job with the second, and the third. It's like, hey, you lazy, stupid people. <laughs> what, what? You know, I gave you money. You could have even put that money in the bank and made more money in return uh, than just hiding it in the thing. Like, it was really silly. And if you didn't know, I'm actually referring to a parable in the Bible. It's called the parable of the talents. And I used very specific numbers because the 20, the 8, and the 4 is how many years' wages um, that parable is speaking about. So he gave the first person 20 years' wages, second person 80 years' wages, and third person 4 years' wages. And 4 years' wages is actually still a lot of money, and you can do a lot with that. But the principle here is you relate that to Jesus. When Jesus left, he left us with gifts. And he gave some people more gifts, some people less gifts. But the expectation is that we all are using our gifts to further God's kingdom. And one day when Jesus comes back uh, and we're going to be judged, um, he's going to ask us, hey, what did you do with the many gifts that I gave you? Um, you know, did I just hide them and let no one see them? Or did I actually use them and grow uh, and have more gifts in the, in the, in the outcome? We're going to be judged one day. Um, Matthew 20, that was Matthew 25. And Matthew 25 goes on to speak about the sheep and the goat and the sep separating of the sheep and the goats and the, basically those who are believers and those who are not believers. Uh, and then he, he goes on to, to say that, um, well done to the sheep. You fed me. You made sure that I was clothed. Uh, you made sure that when I was needy that I had everything I need. Well done. And then the sheep basically said, but we didn't do that for you. And then Jesus says, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And so there's this, this thing that God is going to look at the works that we do on this earth, and uh, he's going to judge us on that. Uh, but that's not all. We can also know that there's going to be reward. It's not just judgment. Uh, Hebrews 6 and 2 Chronicles says, God won't forget our works, and our works will be rewarded. And there's plenty of scriptures all over the Bible that speak about the reward we will receive. But I do feel sometimes like we're investing in a bank account, earthly bank account, when there's this heavenly bank account that we're forgetting about. And we spend so much time making sure that like that retirement age, those last 15, 20 years are going to be like comfortable and we're going to have everything we need and it's going to be great and we won't need to worry about anything. And in our whole lives, we've actually forgotten that there's this heavenly account that is going to be for all eternity. Like we focus on this little thing that we can see now and forget about the unseen. And the unseen is actually what's more important. And it's going to suck when we get there and all of this that we worked for here is going to be gone and we're going to go, Ah, and I'm going to have like a little teepee like thing in heaven, you know? No mansion for me. <laughs> um, when we should be looking at it the other way around, like what can I do on this earth to invest into the bank account in heaven? Or what can I do to, um, to make sure that when I get to heaven, I'll be judged well? Uh, because there is a place that God goes, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Um, 
so that's just a challenge for me. And I think, you know, there's a place that we've got to think carefully about our lives and, and weigh up, is it worth, is it worth the extra? Uh, or could I give up the extra and make sure that I'm investing in eternity? The last point on this part is to not serve is sin. To not serve is sin. Um, you need to know that there's two kinds of sin as well in this. Uh, there's, there's the sin uh, that we know what we're doing and we sin, and then there's sin that we do out of ignorance. In other words, like we didn't realize we were sinning. So like kicking your toe in the morning and then you know, swearing. You're like, oh, you know. That, that would probably be out of ignorance because you didn't realize you were going to do that. However, now that I've told you that we need to be serving and that it's sin to serve, you all can't act out of, <laughs> we all can't act out of ignorance. Um, I'm sorry, it's going to be worse judgment now for you. My bad. Um, but James 4, and this is the scary verse. It says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Yikes. <laughs> so it's, yeah, if you know the right thing. And there's another scripture that says, um, uh, I, I went blank. Anyway, it's not part of my sermon, so it's fine. <laughs> um, and there's also the danger of habitual sin. And so habitual sin, we often think of like uh, alcoholism, where you keep on going back, um, or pornography, where you keep on going back, you know, all those hectic things. Um, meanwhile, uh, this sin of hearing that we need to be serving and then not getting stuck in. Like, it's a habitual sin that we know we're doing. Um, and we're going to be held account accountable one day. So that was the fact that God sees. Also important to note that we serve and others see uh, when we serve. And that's a good reason why, why we should be serving. Firstly, it's proof of our salvation. Uh, in James 2, uh, verse 18, it says that, uh, it says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by works. It's almost like this little competition happens. So this is guys like, okay, I'm just going to have faith and then you have faith and works and we'll see who's more visible uh, in terms of their faith. And I mean, it's obvious. The guy who's actually got works happening and fruits happening in their life is the one that's going to be more obvious that, work, that, that God has saved them. And, and remember, it goes on to say that scary verse about um, even the demons believe and shudder. Even the demons believe and shudder. And that's quite scary. We need to embrace the truth of the gospel and act accordingly. So what has the gospel done in our lives? People should be able to see that. It's proof of our salvation. James 2 verse 16 also says, the one of you uh, says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed by the body. What good is that? And uh, I do want to emphasize here that this is speaking to, to believers helping believers because it says, um, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed. So we're, it's important that we help those who are needy out there, but there's a, there's a place where God wants the church to flourish and the church to be a powerful place that is contagious that people want to come to. But at what point is it if we say to people, oh, you know, someone comes to us and goes, oh, we're really struggling, we, uh, like our debts are mounting up, and then you have something that you could help with, like maybe you can help with a meal, um, and we go, like, oh, we'll pray for you. 
Like, it's great we have faith that God is doing it, but God has put an opportunity right before you, and he's, he's challenging us that we need to serve and help. What good is it to say, you know, go off, well done, you know, you'll be fine. Um, and, you know, fill in the gap on that one. It's, it's, a tough, it's a tough word. And John 15 goes on to say, but this, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I think as us as a church um, love to live in our success, um, I often hear people say uh, things like, oh, I love Sterling, oh, it's such a great church, the youth ministry is great, the children's, maybe not the youth ministry, children's ministry is great, um, and oh, there's a great bunch of people who serve there. Uh, but then we ask, you know, oh, well, cool, well, where are you serving? Oh, no, no, I don't have time to serve. Um, like, be involved. It's, it's, part of the, it's part of who we are. On a side note, um, I heard an interesting thing that I think this Hillsong in Cape Town did, and when they greet each other, they go, kind of come to you, Vickers, they go, hey, morning, how are you? Good. Where do you serve? <laughs> that's literally the next, the next thing they ask, where do you serve? I'm like, that's actually really cool, because if, we're, if it's our command to serve, then we should be encouraging one another to, to be spurred on in that area. Um, anyway, the whole point of this is that we actually, when we are effectively serving as the church, we form this contagious community, and it's a community that people want to be a part of. Uh, you'll remember we spoke recently, uh, just after the leaders uh, summit at the beginning of the year, about the Acts 2 church, and it's the Acts 2 church that had everything in common. They sold their possessions for the, to help other people within the church, and everyone's need was met within the church. How do you think that happened? Do you think that happened with a bunch of people who didn't serve each other, who didn't love each other? No, there's people who served each other with their whole beings. It said that they met together daily, met together daily. We struggle to meet together once a week because we're so busy. They met together daily, and not a single one of them had a need. Like, that's a contagious community, especially when we look in South Africa at the moment. Imagine that. Imagine how people would be knocking at our doors to come in. Like if we were that community. Read this really cool quote on this, and it says, the love in the local church is the paint that makes the invisible Christ visible to our community. The love in the local church is the paint that makes the invisible Christ visible to our community. We can become this contagious community, but we've all got to get stuck in. And it's so important because... We will never become the community that God wants us to be if we aren't all a part of the body. You know, the part, the part of Scripture that says uh, some are the eyes and some are hands and some are feet, and we all work together, and when one is missing, it actually is like a chunk of missing from the body. Like, it's so important because if we want to be the full body of Christ functioning together, we've got to be serving. <clears throat> so, firstly... Um, God sees, secondly, others see, and then thirdly, we grow. Uh, the obvious one, and, and it's stuff that we've been speaking about already, is the fact that we are made more into the image of Christ. Um, I'm not going to say much about that. Uh, we've sort of, in everything we've said, have been saying that. Uh, but then the next one is the church is edified. And this was something really interesting in my research, because I was sort of in two minds about, like, do we serve the church? Do we serve out there? Do we serve in our workplace? Um, and the Bible is actually quite clear about the fact that the church is the primary focus, not saying we must neglect everything else, but the church is the primary focus. The church is where we should be investing our time, our effort, our money. Everything is the church first, and then we go out and make a difference. 
Um, and often we make a difference because we are the church. And Scripture, to support that, Galatians 6 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Okay? Important note there. Let us do good to everyone. And it goes, And especially to those who are of the household of faith. So everyone is important, but my bigger priority here is everyone who is a part of the house of faith. I mean, if we've got needs within you that aren't being met, like surely like, that's where we must start. And then if everyone is working, then people will come in and we'll be able to meet more people's needs. And I think it's almost like that mentality of one person can't change the world. But a whole community and group of people, we can make a huge difference. Ephesians 4 um, verse 11 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Another thing I, I really discovered as I was, as reading lots of scripture, um, the purpose of church leadership, so the pastors, the elders, is to equip the saints, so equip you guys, equip the church, the Christians, to actually go do good works. Our job is not to do the good works. Our job is to equip you so that you can go and do that. Now, we don't not do good works because of that. Like, we love doing good works. But our job is to equip. And when we're spending so much time doing all the, the other stuff, like, we don't have an opportunity and we can't effectively equip you as well as what we should be doing. And, I mean, there's so many areas to that. There's so many leadership teams in our church. If you're involved somewhere, you'll know there's, there's children's leaderships, there's youth worship, there's church worship. There's so many leadership teams. And we need to be able to give our all into those teams so that they can grow to be who they want to be. And even Matthew stands up here most weeks and preaches. Um, the amount of times that there's this and that and that and that that needs to be done. Um, and he's like, by the time he gets up here, he's like, okay, just breathe, just need to focus. <laughs> Like, it shouldn't have to be like that. We should be functioning together as the body so that the teachers can come and teach. Um, and then the church will be edified. So let's just take a quick recap. Um, God sees, others see, we grow. Um, you can just take a look through that list if you like. Um, and just remember, I just want to take a look at um, last year. Um, we, it might even be two years ago, but we had this fantastic ladies um, expo outside where there were some areas that ladies could get involved. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah, yeah some of you do. I see some nods. Um, it was a really cool thing. And I think it was not just like service opportunities, like, like you can join a cooler group and all that sort of thing. And there were some really yummy eats outside. Um, so there was that. And then last year, the Next Gen team put on this like really cool expo outside, spent a week, in fact, spent like four weeks planning and the week like slaving to make that fantastic so that we could get more volunteers involved. Out of those two things, how many people do you think are, are actively serving in our, in our Next Gen ministries from that? I can only speak from the Next Gen side. So if there's other fruit, that's great. There's four. I have a church of, let's call Conservative 700. We've got four new people serving um, from those opportunities. Um, uh, Nikki's in the service, so sorry, I'm going to use your name. <laughs> uh, Nikki's, been, <laughs> Nikki's been going from Bible study to Bible study um, because on the rare occasion, Nikki gets to sit in the service like today, and I think maybe it's just because your mom and dad, <laughs> first one this year. Well, there you go. First one this year that she's been able to sit in because Nikki has no volunteers on that side. Maybe one, maybe two in a service, sometimes none. Um, and so Nikki has to spend, like Nikki has to do all the teaching. And that's the stuff that she's meant to be equipping others to be doing. And so she's been going Bible study to Bible study. Do you know how many people have signed up? None. Not one. 
Last week, we had a cry um, to help us on Easter as we need some people to help just look after children, not to like prepare elaborate lessons and, uh, you know, like slave away, just to look after children. Uh, and in three services, how many people do you think we got signed up? None. Zero. If we want to be the contagious community that we're speaking about here, like, that has got to change. We've got to want to serve. Do you know that when we look after the children, let me put it this way. If Nikki had to go like, I'm done, I can't do this anymore, and she moves away because she's so stressed, um, and uh, all the children had to be in the church, imagine how distracted we would be on Sunday. <laughs> like, no, stop that. No, man, let's go out, you know. Like, it would be like that all the time. But because we have children's ministry, which is actually important for the kids as well because they're learning about Jesus, and because we have crashes and all that sort of stuff, we're able to grow in our faith as well. Church planting. We maybe aren't as successful in church planting because we aren't all involved in serving. If we were all involved in serving, there would be a bigger team to go, and we would have like 50 people instantly uh, to start a church, and then we could grow on that 50 people, and that's 50 servers, you know? Like, can you see that vision? And an interesting thing as well that I, that I heard about this week, um, there's a church in uh, America that they have these things called armor bearers. And they're the people that follow around uh, the pastor so that, um, so that he doesn't have to worry about anything. Now, I don't know how I feel about that. It feels weird because we don't do that here. Um, but like, if the pastor needs water or if like, the aircon's too cold, um, they'll go sort it out, go find a blanket. Um, you know, that makes sure it all happen. So the preacher can literally focus on his sermon, pray during the service, and stand up and bring the message without any distraction to the point where people can come and visit and they, they can just go, cool, let's, let's meet up outside for coffee. Doesn't have to worry about anything. I think it's a great idea. Um, I don't know, as I say, I don't know how I feel, but um, like, that's how we should be thinking. Like, how can we serve each other? Um, there's this thing called the 80 20 principle. And it's basically that 80 people do 20% of the work and 20% 20 20 of the people do 80% of the work. And I think as church, we should be 100% of the people doing 2% of the work. Like, that would be a good picture. And then as we grow together, then we can be 100% of the people doing 4% of the work. Instead of like those 20 people, 20% 20 of people going like, oh, slogging hard, let's, let's get this done. Like, we could be the community of church that is just giving up what we can for each other and making a huge difference. So... How should we serve? Firstly, we should serve wholeheartedly. Um, there's a, a verse in the song, or, or a, the bridge in the song, Hosanna, that says, break my heart for what breaks yours. And uh, as I think of that, I often think, like, when last have I cried, like, like physically cried for the lost because I'm so broken for them because I'm going, like, they're going to go to hell if they don't meet Jesus. And then I, like, fall down on my knees crying, praying. When last did I do that? When last did I see the needs and the poverty around me and, and, and cry and give up of myself for that? It's a wholehearted thing, and we must never forget that. 1 Corinthians 13 speaks about um, the fact that if we do things without love, uh, it's just like a noisy symbol, a clanging gong. Um, and so love is so important because it means we're not doing things out of obligation. We're doing things because we really care. Next, it's self-sacrificial. Um, James 2, verse 15 to 16, is that part where he says, um, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed, um, and then you say, go in peace. But if there's someone in need and you give to them, there's got to be something taken away from you. Okay? It's impossible for you to serve without something being taken away from you. Uh, but then you've got to ask, how, how much is enough? 
And that's, that's a genuine question. How much is enough? Well, here's the C.S. Lewis quote I spoke about earlier. Uh, the only safe rule when it comes to giving is to give more than you think you can spare, to give until it pains you and scares you. The only safe rule when it comes to giving is to give more than you think you can spare, to give until it pains you and scares you. That's, that's a tough, tough call. But Jesus, think about Jesus. Jesus sacrificed everything for us. Everything. He gave his entire life for us. And I'm not just speaking uh, when he died on the cross. He gave 33 years on this earth, sinless years, so that we could experience that sinlessness with God. Like, that's huge. So how much is enough? Well, can't answer that question like that's between you and God but we're going to be without excuse one day that's the next point we're going to be without excuse the guys made the excuse oh you have faith and I have works um, there was an excuse the guy was making and we're going to be without excuse one day we often say things like well prayer is my service you know like I, I'm the way I serve is prayer well, you know what? We're all called to pray, just as we're all called to serve. And if you're not praying, something else you've got to be doing, something else that you're going to be uh, asked about one day. Um, what about people who say, um, well, my tithe is my service. I'm giving money, and that, that's, that's it. Well, tithing is expected <laughs> of us from God. God says we've got to give of our first fruits. It's expected from every one of us, just like serving is expected. We're going to be without excuse one day when we stand before God. So maybe let's look at quickly a few um, excuses we might have. Um, maybe I'm too old. I'm too old to serve. Uh, well, this is quite an interesting one because actually almost always older is better. Uh, you know why? Because you have gained so much wisdom through your life that you can impart to younger generations. There's so much you have learned. Strong marriages that are still into their old age, you can be teaching young married guys how to deal with the stresses of the early marriage um you could be taking you could be mentoring young marrieds you could be um you could take on like a, a foster grandchild um and uh, and like teach them everything you've learned like you have so much wisdom and the, for those who are in early retirement there's an opportunity there for you as well like you've got so much free time now and often so much that you don't know what to do with yourself and i know because my wife's parents have just retired um, like there's an opportunity. Why not take one day in the week, each week, call it Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever, and come and just spend a day in the office with us. Like you'll learn so much about what we do in the office. But there's such an there's so many opportunities to serve and to use your gifts for that. Don't think that you're old, which means that you, you can't be used anymore. It's actually the opposite. We can use you even more. And you have so much wisdom to give. Why not take one of our young people? And teach them stuff that you've learned. I know like at, at the beginning, young guys are like, oh, no, you don't understand. Meanwhile, you actually do. Um, what about I'm too busy? Well, I, um, I, there's the story of the Good Samaritan, and um, I just thought about that a bit. I was like, what happens if the Levite and the priest that walked past the, the guy who was beaten on the floor, they weren't walking past because they lacked compassion, but they were walking past because they had to quickly get to a meeting or a Bible study or a prayer meeting you know, they were like, oh, sorry, I can't help. I've got to go, you know. And I think sometimes we live like that. We, we see the, the people who are in need and go, oh, just, I don't have the time right now, but maybe tomorrow I'll have the time. Um, again, we'll be without excuse. 
unfortunately, there's never a convenient time to serve. And it's one of those things that we have to intentionally make time. If we don't have time, we've got to make time. And maybe that means that I've got to take two hours off work on one of the days and, and risk maybe taking a two-hour a, a, a week pay cut so that I can be obedient to what God says um, in the fact that we should be serving the local church. I don't know what the solution is, but uh, I say to my youth guys, if you're too busy, you're too busy. And it's often with regard to uh, spending time with God. They go, oh, I'm too busy to spend time with God. Guys, you're too busy. You're too busy. <laughs> you, need to, you need to cut something out. It's, that's not right. If you're too busy for your family, not good. If you're too busy for, um, for God, not good. What about I'm, I'm too shy? Uh, well, that's, that's where I came from. And uh, unfortunately, you just got to take the plunge. <laughs> um, it's really hard in the beginning. And every day is scary. In fact, it still is. Uh, 17 years down the line of serving, um, but you've got to just take the plunge and realize that um, it is going to be hard, but it gets easier, um, and the reward of serving is so much better than being a recluse. Um, and what about if you said, I've had my turn, uh, or I'm, I'm having a season of rest? Guys, serving is not a season. Serving is something that God expects of us, but we need to have boundaries, and that's what stops us from burning out in our serving. Um, I see some of our young, and I'm going to speak about our young people often, but I see some of our young people that serve here and here and here and here and here, uh, and then they're like, I'm too busy. Well, like, actually, maybe you need to cut down and just serve in one area. And that's all I'm saying here as well is God expects us to serve, not everywhere, but to use our gifts uh, for the expansion of his kingdom and for the growing of the church. So last thing. Uh, those who don't know, um, I run the youth ministry uh, here on Friday nights, and uh, we've had some interesting times. We minister to unsaved on a Friday night, so we, we encourage guys who don't know Jesus. Uh, they come through here. We have a great time with them, lots of stuff. But what that does mean is we have a lot of uh, interesting uh, people who come here. Um, and like plainly obvious, we have people who have uh, given drugs to other people in the bathroom. We've had people who pulled out knives on other people. Um, this is what I have to deal with when I come here on a Friday night, purely because I believe that Jesus wants to work in these guys' lives. And then I get phone calls in the week, and they go like, Christian, Christian parents, oh, but I'm never bringing my child back there. You know the stuff that's going on there. It's terrible. It's horrible. And I, I mean, I, I really get shouted at. And then I go like, unfortunately, ma'am, there's nothing I can do about that. Like, we're intentionally ministering to unsaved. But why don't you come join me? We could really use your help. Oh, no, 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 I can't do that. I'm too, I'm too busy. Um, and that's often the, the, the case. Instead of, like, complaining about what's going on, realize that there's a need. We need adults to come in because this stuff is happening because we have youth leading youth. Like, no one, no one's, everyone will feel confident to come in and do what they want. But when there's a bunch of adults here, whoa, difference. So I've been really encouraged in that because two uh, Bible studies have said that once a term they'll come through and help serve. And you know what? Those days when they've been there, oh, fantastic night fantastic night um and they all, you can ask them about it we the one day we had i think 40 people who gave their lives to jesus the one the one day it was so fantastic darlene chick had this quote when i went to hillsong conference like 10 years ago said the wisdom of the old and the passion of the young form a beautiful partnership the wisdom of the old and the passion of the young form a beautiful partnership isn't the picture of the church all generations working together to to see uh, God's kingdom established, to see that picture of no one had needs among them. Like, that's, that's different generations coming together. So let's take a look quickly at some, some areas that you can maybe get involved. Firstly, in the children's ministry, I'm not going to explain any of it because we don't have time, but 
uh, you can speak to Nikki about it. There's the creche, the Sunday school, chill church, jam and edge, holiday club, welcome and registration, parent coffee, even a sewing team, birthday cards, prayer team. You can see there's all sorts of different ways you can serve, not just like the guy who has to be with the kids because not, that's not all our cup of tea. Um, grade six and sevens, there's crossover on Fridays, extreme on Sundays, and small groups. Youth ministry, uh, there's a live night, there's first Fridays, it's the seniors, grade 11s, 12s, and 13s, we do it across the road, and we do it once a month, it might be a good opportunity for you to come in and, and connect and serve, we sort of run a coffee shop atmosphere, so like if you're good at making coffee, or good at just like serving and helping out, like you could help behind the counter, uh, small groups, camps, we need mentors for our young people, like they really need people who can walk roads with, we can't do it, like if there's 200 people in our youth ministry, like there's no ways I can mentor 200 people. Um, we need people who can help with media. I'm terrible at uh, online communication. We need people to help with that. And even behind the scenes, admin next. There's Sunday ministry teams. Those are the guys that you see in and around here. There's communion team, uh, the cafe, uh, the hospitality team, the deacons. Uh, then there's the women's ministry, there's cooler groups, mentors, mom's groups, meals of love, and the men groups, there's camps, mentors, and hands-on projects. Uh, pastoral care, you can do visitations to hospitals, elderly, sick, and those are, who are just really hurting. Um, prayer, counseling, divorce care, marriage courses, small groups, you can host or lead one. Um, and then just some other things that I thought of, um, just if you wanted to come in for a day during the week, there's an amazing thing, I went to Common Ground and their elders, um, I'm not saying that you guys must do this now, <laughs> no pressure, um, but like they would take one day in the week and they would come in and serve and they would actually take off work so that they could do that. Um, I'm not, like, please, this is not me saying you must do that, uh, it's just a, an idea. Um, so there's admin, there's phone duty, there's venue preparations, there's ministry leaders, there's researchers, media, maintenance, and you could add in anything. And please, like, this is just stuff that's, that's currently happening. If you have an idea of service that you'd be like, hey, like, this would be really great, come and pitch it to the elders, and, and we'll talk about it, and we'll discuss it, and maybe there's a new way that we can minister to each other and, and help each other. So that's my, my challenge to us. Um, God has called us to serve. It's undeniable, um, and we're going to be held accountable one day. So, so what are we going to do about it? If you're not serving, like, we need to do something about it. Uh, if you are serving, thank you so much. Let's pray. Lord, we just um, we realize this challenge, and we realize it's a tough challenge. Um, it's hard. It's difficult. But, um, Lord, with your grace and your guidance, Lord, we can easily step into these things that you called us to. Lord, we do want to become that contagious church that um, our neighborhood, our city would look to and be so inspired and so drawn in, Lord, that our numbers would grow daily because of the community that we have together. Lord, help us to be people whose first thought is service, service of one another and service of you. And Lord, grow us to new places as a church in Jesus' name. Amen.